0: You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Doug Robbins. Man, I'm so glad to be at church with you guys today, and I want to ask you a question. Does anyone besides me have a warning light that's on on the dash of your car, (laughs) you know? I was on my way home from our youth camp back in March before the pandemic hit, and I noticed my tire pressure warning light, or my tire gauge, was kind of blinking on and off. And then it finally turned on all the way and stayed on. So because that gauge or that warning light was on, I stopped my car, I got out, I looked around at all my tires, and none of them looked to be low at all. But On that long drive back to San Antonio, all I could think about was, what if there's a nail in my tire, there's a slow leak? What if I get stranded on 37 between Corpus and San Antonio? Well, thankfully, I made it back to San Antonio, okay, and I stopped at a tire shop. And they checked it over, and they told me that my tires were all fine, and the tire pressure warning light had turned on because of a little sensor in the tire that had gone out. Well, I asked the guy at the tire shop how much it cost to replace this little sensor, and he said it was 85 bucks. And I'm thinking to myself, you guys know how cheap I am. I'm thinking to myself, I am not replacing a little sensor that's $85. I'll just look at my tires to figure out if they're flat, and then I'll fix them. Well, keep that in mind as I tell you about a recent trip that my family took. We drove out to the Hill Country to enjoy one of the rivers out there, and we decided to drive home the Hill Country route on Highway 337, which is pretty high up in the hills, I guess, for a Texas road. And no doubt some of you who are motorcycle enthusiasts have ridden on that route to enjoy those Hill Country views. Well, as we were driving along in the hills, my wife pointed out to me that the tire pressure warning light was on. And I kind of pretended to know more about cars than what I really do. And I said, kind of in a patronizing voice, honey, I know the tire's fine. It's just a sensor, as if I know anything about sensors, right? So we kept driving. I got to a small town Uh, When the handling of my car felt a little funny, uh, but we were gonna pull over either way because my wife wanted to shop at one of those little junk, I mean, uh, antique stores. And I looked at the tires when I got out of the car and I noticed that the passenger side tire was almost flat. Well, thankfully, there was a small tire shop across the street. So while my wife was shopping, I took the car over and got the tire fixed. But when they were fixing that tire, I couldn't help but have the thought, what if that tire would have gone flat way up on one of those hill country roads? At best, we would have been stuck by the side of the road waiting on roadside service. At worst, the tire could have blown out. I'd lose control of the car and we'd go careening off a cliff. All this because I wasn't willing to fix or pay attention to a simple tire gauge. So here's what this has to do with our conversation today. We all have emotional gauges on the dashboards of our souls. And what I'm afraid of is that some of us are in danger of going off an emotional cliff if we don't check our emotional gauges. In the coming weeks, we're going to check five emotional gauges on the dashboards of our souls, and this is going to be a very important series for us because some of you have emotional gauges that are redlining right now, and you know it. If you'd like to take an online assessment to kind of get a feel for where you're at emotionally, where you're at with your emotional health, we'll post that assessment Online. Now, remember that the more brutally honest you are with the assessment, the more accurate it's going to be. So a couple of disclaimers that I want to give you before we go on. One, this series is not pop psychology disguised as spirituality. We study the Bible here. And each week, we're going to look at the timeless truths that come from God's word that apply to our modern emotional needs. A second disclaimer is that there are more than five emotional gauges that we could talk about during this series, But when I prayed and I asked God, what would best serve the people, there were five gauges that came to my mind. Along with the gauges, I'm going to give you questions that you can ask a friend about their emotional well-being. So let's look at the gauges real quick. Gauge number one has to do with your Relationships. How have you been encouraged by a Christ-following friend or how have you encouraged a friend during this week? Gauge number two has to do with worship. How was your heart encouraged by worshiping God this week? Look at gauge number three, your body, your physical body. How have you intentionally rested, exercised, and nourished your body this week? Look at gauge number four. That's about your finances. Did you manage your money this week in such a way that gives you emotional peace? If yes, how'd you do it? If not, how'd you get off track? Gauge number five, nature's medicine. Describe how you have spent time this week in nature or with your pets. Now, each week, I'm challenging you to check in with someone else asking them the five questions. Pick two or more friends, two or more other people to be what we're gonna call your emotional health support team. And you're gonna check in with them starting today through November throughout this series. Ask each other at least once a week how you're doing with the five emotional gauges. Get together on Zoom. You can do it on a phone call. You can meet in person, social distance, if you're comfortable to do that, and go over the five questions I just gave you. And since I know you're not gonna remember all five of the gauges, we're gonna post those below so that you can check your gauges throughout this series. So what I'd like you to do right now as I'm talking is to text or somehow message at least two other people to form your emotional health support team. And look, I'm serious about this. As your pastor who loves you, Please, please, please don't just sit there, business as usual, and do nothing as I'm talking about this. Your willingness to participate in this series and reach out to someone else and ask these questions may literally save your life or the life of someone that you love. You gotta understand that I'm not like making this sound bigger than it really is. And I want you to understand what's motivating me in this series. I don't want to look into the eyes of another family who lost someone to suicide. This really is life or death that we're talking about in this series. You don't know the thoughts that are swirling around the heads of people that you love. They may look fine on the outside, but they have a tornado of horrible thoughts going on on the inside. And you can do a simple Google search on the Emotional health stats and the increase of suicides, and find that things are going crazy out there. And you know it. So, because the stakes are so high, throughout this series, we'll break down each of the five gauges and we'll teach you from the Bible on other subjects that are related to emotional health. Now, here are the topics throughout the series. Next week, we're going to break down the relationship gauge as I talk about relationships and social isolation. Then we'll look at the emotional effects of worship. The week after that, we'll talk about how God wants your body. That's about your physical body body. Then we'll look at the emotional effects of your finances. We'll explore nature's medicine, how God gave us nature to help heal us emotionally. And the next service after that will be called Tefoya Toro, Three Years in Fear. That's from our very own Lorenzo Gomez who serves on the advisory board for City Tribe Church. He wrote a book about uh, his fear in middle school and he'll tell you about that. It's going to be a fabulous service. And then we'll talk about how we say no to suicide, choose life. After that, Pastor Lee will be back with us to talk about dealing with the root of bitterness and the emotional effects of generosity Then we'll talk about the emotional effects of thankfulness in our life as around Thanksgiving. And then we'll wrap up the series with emotional health in your relationships with my dear friend, uh, Pastor Jubal Garcia. So let's stop just for a minute and pray for this series and pray for the rest of this teaching today and ask God to speak to us by His Spirit. Holy Spirit, we say welcome. Please speak to us, heal us, our hearts are open, our minds are open for what you want to say to us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake, everyone said, amen. Now, one of the many reasons this series is so important is that we are actually a lot more frail and broken than what a lot of us think. What I'd like to point out today is that feeling emotionally broken is actually not always a bad thing, depending upon how you deal with it, see? And God uses these very earthy illustrations to help you and I to understand spiritual realities. And one of the metaphors that God uses is that of clay jars. Now, in the ancient times, these clay jars uh, had a lot of purposes, a lot of uses around the households of ancient people. Uh, Today, clay jars would really just be one step above like an H-E-B grocery bag. You know those plastic grocery bags you use for all kinds of stuff around the house? Well, in ancient times, it was common for people to put money, coins, treasures into these common Clay jars and people would actually use them kind of like an ancient safety deposit box. They would bury them in the ground. Some of you remember the story that Jesus told about a guy who found a treasure in a field and he went and sold everything he had to buy that field because he had evidently found one of these clay jars with treasures inside that were worth a lot. So with that in mind, I want you to listen to and read with me uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verse 7. Paul says, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like, look at it, fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down but we are not destroyed. So part of rightly checking our emotional gauges is acknowledging that we are indeed fragile clay jars. Emotional health takes on a whole new perspective when Christ lives in your life. He is the treasure in these frail clay jars we call our physical bodies. And since the ancient clay jars were so fragile, they broke all the time, That's why clay jars are often symbolic of spiritual brokenness. Now, what I want you to understand is that brokenness in the Bible is not just acknowledging your imperfections, right? You know, like, some of you ladies have stretch marks after having a baby or you know, you're know you a person that wants to be a V-shape but your body's actually a pear shape or some of us guys like our forehead hair is moving into our ear as ear hair or you're a teenager with a few zits and you've got a C on your report card. Those are imperfections and brokenness is not just imperfections. It's actually much more than that. So I've also noticed that some people kind of pretend to be broken. And they try to position themselves as like some type of underdog or some type of victim because they love being the victim. But that's not brokenness. Oftentimes that's false humility. But get this, true spiritual brokenness is being crushed in spirit over sin or painful circumstances. It happens as a result of some disability in our lives, maybe financial ruin, maybe a life-altering disease, a sinful addiction that's ruining your life. It's that problem that you have that you don't want anybody to know that you have that problem because it's embarrassing. It's that painful thing that happened to you. Someone sinned against you and it broke you or it's that painful sin that you committed that heaps on the shame and brokenness in your life. Look, brokenness is that thing that makes you feel like your life is shattered. It makes you feel twisted on the inside. And as painful as it is, Paul said that in the midst of our brokenness, there's a light shining in our hearts. And as we study through the scriptures today, we're gonna see that there's actually, get this, benefits to our brokenness. So in light of this truth, I'd like to make this transforming declaration. And I believe that this declaration can actually transform our perspectives today and our mental health. And so just say it with me or post it in the comments if you're comfortable to do that. I choose to embrace the benefits of brokenness. I'm gonna repeat that. I choose to embrace the benefits of brokenness. And today I'm gonna show you four benefits of brokenness. Look at number one. Brokenness leads to openness. Brokenness leads to openness. Now, there are a lot of people that claim to be open-minded, but they're really only open to others um, as long as those other people agree with their current position, much like the algorithms or social media that feeds them what they already think. And I saw this really great chart that kind of compares the proud and closed-minded heart with one that's broken and open. And I found this chart in a little book entitled Emotionally Healthy Church by author Pete Scazzaro. So on the chart, it says that the proud and defensive heart is is guarded, uh, protective of flaws, whereas the broken heart is transparent about flaws and is willing to disclose to appropriate others what their flaws are. Whereas the proud heart is highly offendable and defensive, the broken heart is approachable and open to input from other people. The proud heart uh, is often very defensive and uh, says, I don't get close to people, whereas the broken heart is open and curious about other people. The proud heart always likes to control every situation. Have you ever known that person? They have to control everything. Whereas the broken heart can let go and allow others to lead. The proud heart always has to be right. They're always proving their point. Whereas the broken heart admits mistakes and weaknesses. The proud heart is always blaming other people. Whereas the broken heart takes responsibility for myself and looks in the mirror and says, hey, how do I need to change? The proud heart is always holding grudges and rarely asks for forgiveness. Whereas the broken heart is able to ask other people for forgiveness as it's needed. So you gotta understand the openness that I'm talking about here. When you're broken, you're open, you know? Uh, I'm talking about something more than just being open-minded, open to other ideas. But what I'm talking about is open-heartedness. And it's an open-heartedness to God saying, God, look, whatever you may require of me, I am open to whatever you tell me to do, whatever you lead me to do, no matter how I might feel about it. So perhaps you'd be willing to say out loud or post in the comments, I choose openness to God. I choose openness to God. Now, let's look at number two. Brokenness releases control. Brokenness releases control. Now, you guys know that we live in a society of controls, don't we? Like pest control, birth control, air traffic controllers, gun control, quality controls, and most importantly is the remote control, because it is the authority figure in the home, right? The remote control. Now, When we've been broken, we can be so afraid of getting hurt again that we try to tightly control our lives and our relationships. It's like those parents who control their kids too much and they realize the more tightly that they squeeze, the more their kids slip out of their hands. Some managers who try to overly control employees, they later realize that those same employees were actually spending a lot of time on LinkedIn trying to get into a job with a less controlling and more empowering manager. I think we all know that people don't leave jobs, they leave managers most of the time. And what we've got to understand is that control is an illusion. This is why there's an author Richard Foster, who wrote this raw and honest prayer called the Prayer of Relinquishment. And here's what he says. Oh, Lord, how do I let go when I'm so unsure of things? I'm unsure of your will, and I'm unsure of myself. That really isn't the problem at all, is it? The truth of the matter is, I hate the very idea of letting go. I really want to be in control. No, I need to be in control. That's it, isn't it? I'm afraid to give up control, afraid of what might happen. Heal my fear, Lord. See, releasing control is why people in recovery say things like, we admitted that we were powerless over addiction, that our lives had become unmanageable. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And one of the reasons that I like recovery so much is because it acknowledges that we're not in control. So perhaps you'd be willing to say out loud or post in the comments, I choose, look, I know, this could be hard for some of you to even type this or think it, but there's power in this declaration. I choose to release control. I choose to release control. Now, the next benefit of brokenness, here's number three, that brokenness, leads to repentance. Brokenness leads to repentance. If you go back and study the Corinthian letters in the New Testament, there was a Corinthian man who had committed an unusual sexual sin and was finally broken over his sin. He admitted it. Evidently, he repented of it. And so Paul wrote something and said something to him in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's look at verse 9. Paul said, Yet now I am happy Not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to what? Repentance. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. And so I want you to focus in on that word repentance just for a minute. It means to change one's mind or purpose. Change one's mind or purpose. Broken people choose to change their minds about sin and agree with God. Look, don't expect to feel better emotionally if you don't agree with God about sin in your life. The reason God wants us to repent of sin is because He wants us to feel better. He's not trying to keep us from having fun, but He's actually looking out for our best interests and the interests of other people as well. Another thing I'd say to you about the text that we just read is don't mistakenly believe that you have to repent of sin in order to earn a relationship with God because salvation, as it's talked about in the text we just read, means sanctification or spiritual growth. It's not referring to a spiritual birth or starting a love relationship with God. So that said, some Christians want their emotions to feel better but don't want to repent. And what I want you to understand is that God doesn't give His inner emotional peace if we don't repent. Now, there are a couple of different kinds of emotional sorrow in the text that we just read. One is when people refuse to change their minds about sin, which leads towards death. The other is when people do change their minds about sin, and then they agree with God, which leads to life and peace. Now, another thing we need to understand is that for some Repentance means to change your mind about how valuable you are to God because in your mind, you believed and you've thought, hey, I'm ugly, I'm worthless, I'm no good. And those thoughts continually repeat in your mind and you've embraced and believed those lies. And for you to repent and believe means to repent and believe what God says about you and your identity in Christ as it's outlined in the New Testament of the Bible. Believe that God calls you a daughter. Believe that God calls you a son. He calls you loved. And so when you embrace those truths, you can live up to your new identity in Christ. Now, there are some that don't embrace their identity in Christ and think they don't need God. And pridefully, they'll say things like, look, I don't need to turn from my sin. I'm doing just fine. My life is good without God. I don't need God. But if you say, I'm a treasure, God will ultimately say, no, you're just a clay jar. And he has ways of showing you that. But if you will humbly say, I'm a clay jar, he'll say, yes, but you have a treasure inside my son, my daughter. So I want you to look at how this played out in King David's life after he'd committed adultery. He said in Psalm fifty-one, seventeen, the sacrifice you want is a broken spirit, a broken and... Repentant heart, O oh God, you will not despise. So perhaps you'd be willing to say out loud as a declaration or to type in the comments, I choose to repent and agree with God. I choose to repent and agree with God. Now let me show you the last benefit to brokenness, and this is number four: that brokenness is a pathway to power. Brokenness is a pathway to power. Now, when Paul came to terms with his own brokenness, God spoke something to him. Paul had some physical problem. We don't know exactly what it is. Some people think he was going blind or uh, other things, but uh, the text is 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, and look at what God said to encourage Paul in that text. God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect In weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's what? Power may rest on me. So that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul is realizing that he needs to lean into his weakness to allow the power of God to rest on him and flow. Through him Now, I want you to change channels in your mind just for a minute. And go back to King David when he came to terms with his own brokenness. And that's going to be in Psalm 51. Look at verse 8. He says to God, Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And look at that last sentence. Then I will teach your ways to sinners and they will return to you. And so David is realizing, hey, he can take the brokenness of his life and use it to teach others truths about God. And you know, throughout the years, I've heard people express this concept in a lot of different ways. You know, some people have said, be a wounded healer. Others have said, your mess becomes your message. I've heard some say that your troubles become your treasures or your comeback is better than your setback. And I agree with all of these. These are great things to say. And I think that this concept is well illustrated by the old story of a water carrier in India who used these two large clay pots suspended on a pole across his upper body with a pot at each end of the pole. Now, one of the pots had a big crack in it, while the other pot was perfect. Now, the perfect pot always delivered a full portion of water from the stream To the master's house, while the cracked pot always arrived just half full each day. And for years, the water carrier made the same journey to and from the stream to his house, and the perfect pot became very proud of its accomplishments. Whereas the cracked pot was ashamed. It was ashamed of its imperfection and miserable that it couldn't even accomplish half of its potential. So finally, one day, the cracked pot spoke to his owner and said, look, man, I'm ashamed of myself and I want to apologize that I've only been able to deliver half my water to your house. Because of my flaws, you know, you don't get the full value of your efforts. And um, he was bummed. But then the water carrier just smiled and he said, as we return to the house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. And so on that trip from the stream, the crack pot looked around and the water carrier said, Did you notice that there are flowers only on your side of the path, but not on the other pot's side, not on the perfect pot's side? And that's because I've always known about your flaw. And I took advantage of it. So I planted seeds on your side of the path. And every day while we passed these spots, you watered them and didn't even know it. Now for years, I've been able to pick the beautiful flowers that decorate the table at the house because you watered those flowers through the crack. And what I want you to know is that no matter how broken you feel, that God's heart is to water the flowers through your brokenness. And at City Tribe, our mission is that we're here. We're helping people who feel far from God, people who feel broken, to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And we have to maintain the environment, the ethos, the culture as a place where Cracked pots can experience God and water the flowers alongside the road. We have to continue to embrace broken people like drunks, porn addicts, women who get paid in one dollar bills, adulterers, thieves, gluttons, people who are still keeping up with the Kardashians, murderers, gangsters, freaks, geeks, people who think that wrestling is real, people who text while they're driving, people who ride bikes in Southtown wearing those tight Lycra biking shorts that bother me, also the pagans, the pot heads, the meat heads, the crack heads, the dead heads, and meth heads. Also, people who put trash in the recycle bin, that bothers me. And people who don't wear a face mask in the grocery store, all who are broken have the opportunity for a treasure inside. And a big part of the reason that I'm so adamant about this and I repeat this type of thing constantly in my talks is because I am a cracked pot. I'm a broken person. And I've been very honest with you publicly many, many times about my past sins and struggles, my past marriage struggles, my past sins of lust and having a relationship outside my marriage many years ago. And I want you to understand, I don't have it all together all the time. And I need to check the five emotional gauges as much as any of you do. And I haven't forgotten where I've come from. And I suggest that you don't either. Being a Christ follower doesn't mean that you have all your stuff together all the time. It just means that we, t- we stick together to make it through. And if enough of us, flakes stick together, we'll create an avalanche of Christ's love to help the broken people of this world through our brokenness will water the seeds, the flowers alongside the road. And the only reason that broken people like you and I have the opportunity for a treasure on the inside is because Jesus was broken on our behalf. Jesus knows a thing or two about brokenness. And I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, where the scripture says, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it. He broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So before you and I take communion together, I'd like some of you to consider your relationship with Jesus. If you would like to have an inner peace, if you would like to have love relationship with God, It's simple to do. All you do is choose to believe that Jesus Christ's body was broken on the cross for you and that his blood was shed there for you. And perhaps some of you have been to communion services. You know, your grandma made you go to church or your mom made you go to church and you went before the pastor or the priest and you took communion and you really didn't know what was going on. Well, today could be your first real communion. Today could be the time where you actually have love relationship with God through Jesus. And if you would like to do that, I'd like to help you through a prayer. Just realize that the prayer that we're saying, the words are not as important as the attitude of your heart. That you are submitting your heart and believing in Jesus in order to receive love relationship with God. So as we go to prayer, there are going to be two different prayers. One is for those of you that are beginning a relationship with Christ. And the other is for those of us that already follow Christ to prayer our hearts for taking communion. So let's go to the Lord. First prayer. If you're choosing to receive love relationship with God today, just say something like this in your heart between you and God. Look, God, I know I've sinned and screwed up. And I'm choosing to agree with you about my sin. I'm choosing to believe that when Jesus Christ died on that cross and his body was broken, it was broken to pay for my sin. And he rose again from the dead to give me new life. God, welcome into my life. Here's the next prayer for those of us that already know Christ. We're saying, God, We're doing a fearless spiritual and moral inventory right now. God, we take this communion table seriously. And we do not want to take communion in an unworthy manner. And right now, God, we choose to say we agree with you about our sin. We agree with you that our sin of gossip is wrong. And we repent. We choose to believe that our sins of materialism or lust or stealing or divisiveness are wrong and we choose to repent. And we do not take for granted the sacrifice that you made for us, Jesus, as we go to the communion table today. So if you have your bread handy, take a piece of bread And remember Jesus said, as often as you take of this, do so in remembrance of me. And then take the cup and remember Jesus said, as often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me.
1: my sanity Sweet Jesus Christ my clarity Come into every place, Jesus, because you are alive, Jesus, yes, you are alive. my clearing. Jesus I thank you that because of your brokenness that we can be whole we thank you for that we pray this together in your mighty name
0: so glad you guys were a part of this service today. I hope it was helpful and healing for you. And as we wrap up the service today and uh, think about our financial stewardship, I want to share a quote from a study um, that was by Stephen G. Post of the Stony Brook University School of Medicine, which found that generosity actually reduces blood pressure as much as medicine and exercise. It's not just blood pressure, generosity also lowers the risk of dementia, reduces anxiety and depression, improves chronic pain management and more. If you were somehow able to package this into a compound, you'd be a billionaire overnight. And this is one of the many, many reasons that we teach what God has said for many years That we're better off emotionally and in every way when we sow financially, when we're generous financially and give to things, when we bring what we call a first priority, the Bible calls it first fruit, 10% and above, which is called the tithe to the local church, which is the storehouse. Of course, if you're Not a Christian believer, don't buy into all this. We totally understand if you don't contribute financially to this, this service is our gift to you. But those of us that follow the biblical pattern of financial stewardship, uh, we bring a first fruit tithe at the local storehouse. Now, here's how to get this done at City Tribe Church. You can mail it in to P.O. Box 830-745, San Antonio, Texas, 78283. Or you can text message the word TRIBE space and the dollar amount to 74483 or you can donate online at citytribe.church/tithe as always it helps other people if you'd be willing to share subscribe and like this video so for our benediction today um, i'm going to be uh, quoting a prayer that was originally created by a theologian Reinhold Niebuhr and it's called the serenity prayer And it goes something like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. You guys have an amazing Sunday, and I hope to see you next week. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.